Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. Lord willing, our intention is to go verse by verse and chapter by chapter through the entire Bible. Here to continue that journey is our Bible teacher at Into the Word, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. If you have your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open it now to Exodus chapter 37. I mentioned in the last episode that in most commentaries, chapters 35 through 39 receive almost no comment at all, because most of the content in these chapters essentially duplicates the content received and discussed in chapters 25 to 31. In chapters 25 to 31, God gives instructions to Moses regarding the construction of the tabernacle and its various accoutrements. But then you will recall that the entire project was put in jeopardy by the incident with the golden calf. Initially, after the gross apostasy and idolatry of that experience, it appeared as if God was canceling his order for the tabernacle. He was no longer going to go up in the midst of the people. He was just going to send some kind of warrior angel. But Moses pleads with God to change his mind. He says, if you won't go with us, then we won't go. We don't want power if it does not come with presence. As I said, that prayer of Moses is probably the high water mark of Old Testament piety. What he was saying was that the presence of God was everything. They didn't just want help. They wanted him They didn't just want the gifts, they wanted the giver. The greatest glory in being the people of God was not the favor or the advantage over enemies, it was God himself. And so God responds to that prayer, and he relents from the punishment he had threatened, and he says that he will go up in the midst of them. And so with that, the construction phase of the tabernacle program began in earnest. So these chapters matter, even if they feel weird to us. They would have felt wonderful to the people living through them. Every curtain stitched, every acacia tree harvested, every peg hammered would have reminded the people that a great disaster had been averted and a great and undeserved mercy shown. Thanks be to God. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood. Two cubits and a half was its length, a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. And he overlaid it with pure gold inside and outside and made a molding of gold around it. And he cast for it four rings of gold for its four feet, two rings on its one side and two rings on its other side. And he made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold and put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark. And he made a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half was its length and a cubit and a half its breadth. And he made two cherubim of gold. He made them of hammered work on the two ends of the mercy seat, one cherub on the one end and one cherub on the other end. Of one piece with the mercy seat he made the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, 
with their faces one to another toward the mercy seat were the faces of the cherubim. These verses correspond precisely with the instructions given in Exodus 25, 10-15. The only new detail is the fact that it was Bezalel who made the ark. In chapter 25, God told Moses to build the ark. But that doesn't mean that Moses was supposed to be the craftsman. It just means that he was supposed to oversee the project as a whole. And of course, this is the same way that the Bible might Say, for example, that King David slew 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Well, we assume that David didn't fight each of those 18,000 Edomites personally, but rather that he oversaw an army which defeated those 18,000 Edomites. So it is here. Moses was in charge. He was the overseer. But now we learn that Bezalel actually did the hands-on work. Verse 10. He also made the table of acacia wood. Two cubits was its length, a cubit its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. And he overlaid it with pure gold and made a molding of gold around it. And he made a rim around it a handbreadth wide and made a molding of gold around the rim. He cast for it four rings of gold and fastened the rings to the four corners at its four legs. Close to the frame were the rings, as holders for the poles to carry the table. He made the poles of acacia wood to carry the table, and overlaid them with gold. And he made the vessels of pure gold that were to be on the table, its plates and dishes for incense, and its bowls and flagons with which to pour drink offerings. This section corresponds to the instructions given in Exodus 25, 23-29. You'll remember that all the items in either the Most Holy Place or the Holy Place were overlaid in gold, whereas the items in the outer court were overlaid in bronze. So this chapter is describing all the items prepared for the inner two zones, the Holy Place and the Most Holy Place. The Ark was housed in the Most Holy Place. It was the only item in the Most Holy Place. This table, the table used to display the bread of the presence, was on the north side of the holy place, directly across from the golden lampstand, the construction of which is described now in verses 17 to 24. He also made the lampstand of pure gold. He made the lampstand of hammered work. Its base, its stem, its cups, its calyxes, and its flowers were of one piece with it. And there were six branches going out of its sides. Three branches of the lampstand out of one side of it, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side of it. Three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower, on one branch, and three cups made like almond blossoms, each with calyx and flower, on the other branch. So for the six branches going out of the lampstand. And on the lampstand itself were four cups made like almond blossoms with their calyxes and flowers, and a calyx of one piece with it under each pair of the six branches going out of it. Their calyxes and their branches were of one piece with it. The whole of it was a single piece of hammered work of pure gold. And he made its seven lamps and its tongs and its trays of pure gold. He made it and all its utensils out of a talent of pure gold." This section corresponds to the instructions given in Exodus 25, 31 to 39. 
The lampstand was placed on the south side of the holy place, directly across from the table displaying the bread of the presence. So as a priest entered the holy place from the eastern side of the tent proper, he would see the table on his right and the lampstand on his left. And directly in front of him, just before the veil through which the high priest might pass into the Holy of Holies, he would see the altar of incense, the construction of which is described now in verses 25 to 28. He made the altar of incense of acacia wood. Its length was a cubit and its breadth was a cubit. It was square and two cubits was its height. Its horns were of one piece with it. He overlaid it with pure gold its top, and around its sides and its horns. And he made a molding of gold around it, and made two rings of gold on it under its molding on two opposite sides of it as holders for the poles with which to carry it. And he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. This section corresponds to the instructions given in Exodus 30, 1-5. Next, we have a brief narrative concerning the preparation of the holy anointing oil used for the priests and tabernacle objects. We see that in verse 29. He made the holy anointing oil also, and the pure fragrant incense, blended as by the perfumer. So, while this chapter feels repetitive and perhaps even unnecessary to the modern-day reader, it would have absolutely reeked of grace and mercy to its original hearers. Every detail would have been received with rejoicing. The project so nearly abandoned was slowly but surely coming to completion. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but hope restored brings relief and joy to all. Thanks be to God, and thank you for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you've appreciated the End of the Word ministry, I'd like to personally invite you to pay it forward by supporting a mission project that is very close to my heart. The Letha Daycare Outreach Project is a church-based educational program designed to teach literacy, support low-income families, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with boys and girls in rural South Africa. I've seen this project with my own eyes. I have shaken the hands of parents whose families have been helped. I have heard the songs and Bible verses out of the mouths of some of these dear children as they have been taught and helped to put their trust in the Lord. And nothing would be more gratifying to me than for you to show your appreciation for Into the Word by investing in these little ones. You can do that in one of two ways. You can give through the Into the Word app or by visiting the Into the Word website at intotheword.ca. Just click on the Give tab and you'll find giving options for both Canadian and American listeners. This is a registered project with ABWE Canada and ABWE USA. So tax receipts are available to all eligible donors. Just identify where you're listening from and click on the fund button and select Letha Daycare Outreach. Thank you for considering this method of showing your support for the End of the Word program. And may God alone be glorified. Your word is a lamp unto my feet.